Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey, welcome back to the LeadX Leadership Show. I'm Kevin Cruz, and our topic today is a timely one. I'll be interviewing a 28-year veteran of the U.S. Navy SEALs about the mental toughness program he developed for the U.S. Navy. But before we dive into the interview, I also want to let you know that at LeadX, we just released our new coaching and learning pack for leading remote employees. Coach Amanda, our IBM Watson-powered executive coach, will now give you 12 things to do in 12 weeks to get better at maximizing the engagement and productivity of your remote team members. We've also included our newest webinars and courses on remote work and several new book summaries on that topic as well. Remember, you can just download the app from the Apple App Store or Google Play for Android, and you can use the entire app for free for seven days and then just subscribe if you want to keep it longer. Okay, on to our interview. Our guest is a combat-tested retired Navy SEAL Master Chief who has 27 years of experience leading and developing high-performance teams, including teams involved in combat operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. He recently co-developed and taught warrior toughness training for the U.S. Navy, which changed how the Navy prepares young sailors and officers for the acute stress of intense combat. Today, he's an in-demand speaker and executive coach, helping organizations to plan, prepare, and execute at the highest levels when it matters most. Our guest is Master Chief Stephen Drum. Stephen, welcome officially to the LeadX Leadership Show. Hey, thank you very much, Cameron. I really appreciate you having me on to, to have this talk, fellow uh, Pennsylvania native. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we're talking, of course, we're recording this on March 26th, and uh, we're both trying to practice our social distancing as much of the world is and everything. And I appreciate you uh, making the time to share because I think there's nothing more timely right now than resiliency and mental toughness. And I think there's going to be a whole lot of people uh, who are going to get a lot of value in their life and, and career from uh, listening to, to some of what you're going to share with us. So first, just a big thanks for that. Hey, thanks. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's an obligation maybe for those of us military, military families, you know, especially the, fam- the unit right there who have been through situations, not just like this, but, but have had to deal with the uncertainty of what's going to happen next, of what that deployment's going to look like, how long it's going to last. Okay, will my husband or wife come home from this deployment? So there's uncertainty, and I think we're, we're generally, I think we've got some good context and answers that we might be able to share. Well, that's great. And, I mean, before we dive into the specifics of the uh, Warrior Toughness Program, which, which uh, you, you co-designed. Um, take us back, you know, I, I, in, the, uh, in the intro uh, of this show, you know, I mentioned 27 years of service um, as a U.S. Navy SEAL. Um, uh, but take us back, like, so that means you joined up in the early 90s, if I got that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I joined pretty much right out of high school. I took the graduated high school of, you know, 92 and then took the summer off and then went into the Navy, Navy boot camp in November of 92. And so I just retired November would have been, uh, you know, 2019. That's incredible. That's incredible. So 27 years. Yeah. And, and, and um, what a crazy time for your first year uh, out of service trying to transition <laughs> into civilian role, right? 
Hi. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Right. You want to hit the ground running, but uh, yeah. So, you know, throughout your career, you clearly, um, you know, as a Navy SEAL, I'm sure we're, we're encountering all kinds of stressful situations, high pressure situations. Now, were, were you always like, you know, you've developed this warrior toughness program, but back then, I mean, was it trained in the 90s? Was it trained in 2000? I mean, is, is that where you originally got your interest in this? No. In fact, you know, I could, a bunch of different rabbit holes I could go into yeah. from that question. <laughs> but I would say, you know, I would say this. Early on in my career, I wasn't really given the psychology tools, you know, as we call them now, sports psychology, performance psychology. I wasn't really given those tools. So what I was given is a very, is a process for being very brilliant at some very basic things. And so I could perform those, what we call it automaticity. So I can perform them almost at a reflexive state. And that helps out a lot, right? That helps bring confidence to a stressful situation. And I think as, as we progressed, as I became more experienced, certain performance psychology techniques, as we would call them, would, you know, start to become intuitive in a certain, to a certain degree. And I think, but what I really was missing was my ability to be consistent, to use certain mental performance tools, but, you know, apply them across the broad spectrum of my professional and my personal life. And I think when we got tasked with developing a program to be tough, to use a lot of those tools is I was very, you know, intentional with being able to use those tools across all the aspects of your life. And so I developed these and now I think we can all benefit when we use these techniques in a more deliberate and holistic sense. Now, I'm curious because, you know, when it comes to uh, some of the research on, on resilience, mental toughness, um, there's, it's that classic uh, psychological debate of sort of, um, you know, are some people just born with, with it and, or how much can really be developed? And if you look at the assessments in resilience, uh, often it, it does go back to a, a personality trait that they're trying to measure that may, may exist from an, early, from an early age. And while you're saying you, there wasn't really the, the, the performance psychology taught in the early you know, years of, of being a SEAL, for anyone who's you know read about what it's was like to go through buds you know the program uh, i mean to a mere mortal there's obviously the physical part of it but those who graduate say it's actually the a mental experience you know that that gets you out of it you know more than more than the physical so i mean at least back then was it like hey buds is finding the people who already have that mental toughness wherever they got it from they're probably born or something we don't need to train it i mean is there and and it, was there uh, an element of that then? Is that still there now? Like, if you make the cut, you're going to have a mental toughness and you don't really need to learn a lot more. No, I wouldn't say that at all, right? Because you look at, you know, who uses, who has to perform, which com- which communities have to perform in some of the highest stress, you know, environments where they take a deliberate approach. And that's the sports world, right? You know, there's certain, you know, sports areas that invest more heavily in it. You know, like I know baseball is really big in performance psychology and these are already elite performing individuals, right? These are the best of the best, those that make it to the major leagues. And and then they realize that, Hey, this, these are the things that I'm going to invest in. And so back to the original part of your question is, 
For sure. There's a couple ingredients that go into being successful through SEAL training. And I would say, yes, you can easily step back and say it's, you know, we say, we even say that it's 90% mental. I'd say the most important ingredient is a supreme level of commitment, right? It's that character component where you want it so bad, you want it more than the guy to the left and right of you who's not willing to invest as heavily as you are. But within that, and so there are other elements that go into it. And so, you know, you can be physically tough to make it through the first part of the training. But in the second part of the training, when you're under the water and your scuba gear is being tied in knots, it's not that physical toughness that gets you through. It's being able to perform under pressure. And in that situation, you need a different level of you know, skill sets. And the people that can intuitively do that or, or could intuitively do that would be the ones that would make it through. But what we're saying now is, yes, yeah, some people are, you know, have, have those skills. Maybe they're born with it, but all of us, but even those that do, they can be better. And for those of us that don't, there's hope for us, right? We can build these skills and learn these techniques to perform at that higher level. And um, we connected uh, around this program, the U.S. Navy's Warrior Toughness Program. And I read an article about it that was written up, really great uh, case study um, on the U.S. Naval War Institute uh, site. And um, tell me, how did that program come about? How did you get involved with that? Okay, so I'll give you the, try to give you the short version, right? Yeah. We. <laughs> I came up initially to, to Navy boot camp a couple of years ago to run what was called the Dive Motivator Program, which anybody that wants to, uh, young men or women that want to come in and be SEALs, divers, special warfare boat drivers, air rescue swimmers, they come in with a contract. And it would be my job to give them the progressive run and swim as well as some mentoring to get them ready for their next phase in the pipeline. So they're still being taught how to be basically trained sailors doing what everybody else is doing, only they're getting up early to do that. When about two, 2017, I was approached. There were some incidences where we realized, hey, there's, there's the very real possibility that we could go, our sailors in the fleet could go and face an adversary on the seas with peer, near peer, China, Russia, et cetera. And they said, we need our sailors to be tougher. We've become a little too far removed from you know, when you have Japanese airplanes attacking in the Pacific, right? We've become a little too far removed from what that sailor had to do. And we want to get back there. We still want to be technical. We want to be smart, but we need to be tougher. And so they approached me and they said, hey, we got to figure this thing out. So you, a clinical psychologist and a Navy chaplain, get together in a room and figure out how we can have a holistic program that gets after being tough. And so we developed that, a mind-body-soul approach that uses performance psychology techniques, mindfulness, character development, as well as the methodology that we use in the SEAL teams to train. And the things that, that I learned and the things that I had wish I had learned earlier kind of were the ingredients for that, for that program. So, I mean, this, this really um, uh, gets into it. And so, Stephen, give us some examples. You, you talked about some, some different categories. Um, and a lot of this, uh, you know, coming out of performance psychology, uh, you already referenced sort of the, the character stuff and some commitment. And I know you're um, uh, also we're teaching like goal setting, there's self-talk, visualization. I mean, pick a few of these elements that you found were really effective in the program. Well, for us to be successful when, you know, the, the hyperbole is when the bullets are flying, but in all the other areas in our professional, personal lives, whether that's going to be, you know, pitching that deal, whether it's right now trying to figure out how we can pivot 
and adapt to being useful in this environment while we're trying to you know, deal with kids running around the house, right? That requires a, a level of emotional regulation, a, a level of planning. And to get there, we need to have a process. And what I like to say in the military is we always have a cheap process, a framework. You know, I use the example, if I'm cut off from my element, you know, out there in the mountains of Afghanistan, and all of a sudden I need to call in some, some close air support, and I'm not a radio man, I'll pull out of my gear a little laminated card that will have specific instructions what we do. So in the military, that's what we're good at. We're good at developing processes that the, the most junior person on that team can use. And so I think us having a framework is, is the first thing that we do. And I, I said the very first step of that is commitment, is that character piece, okay? What are we going to invest in? Who are we committed to? And what are we committed to? And what are we willing to do to make sure that we're fully invested in that situation? It all starts with that. Until we are clear with our intentions, until we know really who we are and what we stand for, that we know that we're people of character, we know that we're not quitters, we know that we're willing to do what it takes to get where we need to go, until we can have that conversation with ourselves and fully commit to a process to get us further towards that goal, then there's really not much we can do. Now, Stephen, I know <laughs> that's just the first part of the, of the framework, but before you go on to other pieces, so take me, like, let's peel this onion a little bit. So, okay, I'm all on board, but, you know, I'm not really sure I've, I've thought about what I'm committed to or what I'm willing to, to sacrifice to achieve it. I mean, what would be some of the things, the exercises or things you would do in this program to help people to kind of figure that out or to increase their level of commitment? Right. First thing I would say is develop that little, like I just described almost, develop that personal philosophy for yourself. Who am I? What do I stand for? What are my capabilities? What's my capacity right now? Okay. Be very clear with yourself. Be honest with yourself where you and your team are right now. And where do we want to go? In a lot of cases right now, if you look at it in a business sense, we might not be able to deliver exactly what we need to our customers because maybe we had to dim the lights, hopefully, hopefully for most of us temporarily. But how can I add value? How can I find another way? Even if it doesn't, even if it's not with a, a direct transaction, how can I add value to my customer? Okay. So it, it becomes looking outside, looking at the bigger picture in terms of where do I really want to go? Not becoming, not looking just through, you know, a toilet paper tube at the problem or the situation, but really saying what, what, do I have to offer the world? How do I want to show up? And once I figure out that piece at the, at the broad sense, now I can start to get, now I can start to build goals. Okay. Goals that I can measure. I can build that, that roadmap consisting of those different short, intermediate and long-term checkpoints to make sure that I'm still on track. That's, that's one of the big things I recommend. Okay. So that's, that's really one of the most important fundamentals. That makes sense. And starting with all these pieces that, that um, are part of that character, that commitment uh, process. What, what's the, another step in that framework? So the next step would be what I call the competency part, right? Now it's the specific areas that we need to make sure that we're focused and engaged and most of all effective. And I think I just want to take the opportunity right now because when we developed this program and we would brief senior military leaders, sometimes senators, congressmen, they would ask us, is this like a resiliency program? Because I think resiliency or resilience 
is that kind of soft, kind of warm term, right? It's a very popular term right now. <laughs> Appropriate. And hey, full disclosure, I use the term too because it's, it, it's common. But, you know, because you don't want to go into an office maybe and say, I want to make you tougher, right? Because then they start <laughs> thinking of uh, push-ups and, you know, climbing over stuff, right? But I want, and essentially, that's what I want people to be. I want them to be tougher. So I, I discern the difference between resiliency. When they would ask us that, I would say resiliency is a byproduct of toughness. If you're able to do all of these things, and we define exactly what toughness is, okay? Toughness is first. It's being able to take a hit and keep going, right? A hit, like physically, like they're shooting at us. Uh, we're wounded. Our, our, we've just, we've taken a hit with our, with our business. You know, I, I didn't get that promotion. All right, let me get back up and get back in the fight or get back towards my goal. And the next piece is we got to be able to perform under pressure. When we're really feeling that stress and that emotional impact, we got to perform under pressure. And lastly is the day in and day out grind. Okay, we just got through closing in on two weeks now at home with this new reality. We got through two weeks, but for many of us, this thing's going to last a while. What are we willing to do to make sure that we can do this for a protracted period of time? And so I wanted to make that distinction. Um, so as we move in from the commitment phase to the preparation phase, there's a, there's a couple things that I want to be able to talk about. And the first one is using performance psychology techniques. And the things that we used were what we call mental rehearsal, is putting yourself into a situation beforehand uh, and living that situation before you're actually in there. The next one is, is self-talk. We talk to ourselves more than we do other people. But when we do it, we got to make sure that it's specific, realistic, and helpful. These are just a few of them. Uh, there's a couple of different techniques we use. We use breathing. We use box breathing to make sure that we can lower that emotional uh, negative impact. And then lastly, we do mindfulness, where mindfulness or meditation, we would call it mindfulness, but really what we're doing is meditating. And so I highly, highly recommend that, that listeners invest into mindfulness techniques because it was a game changer for me and my ability to, to, to maintain you know, emotional control and focus. Can you tell me a little bit more about that from your personal experience? I think um, sometimes we'll hear about the box breathing technique or mindfulness. And for those of us who haven't, haven't been SEALs, have, have never been in the military, never been in combat, where do these things come in? So, it, for example, is, your, is, is mindfulness something that you're doing you know, uh, during preparation on base just to, just to stay calm? Or is this something you're doing and you have a phrase that uh, you say being on the X, maybe you can tell us what that means, but like, what are things you might do when you're on the X? What are things you're doing back on base preparing for that moment? No, I like that. That's a great question. So, and it gives me an opportunity to clarify. So mindfulness or, or being mindful is our ability to stay in the moment right? We're not thinking about what happened yesterday. We're not thinking about the consequences of what's next, right? We're about, to, we're fully engaged, okay? The things, and we're using our senses, the things that we can see, that we can feel, that we can hear, that we can smell. We're fully in that situation, fully present, right? Meditation is the exercise, is the bicep curl for the brain, all right? Because when we get scared, our reptilian part of the brain, right? The amygdala, that fight, flight, or freeze, that thing kicks on and 
we want to be able to regulate that. And we do that by strengthening the frontal cortex, which is the part of our brain that, that helps with emotional control. And we do that through meditation. So that when we're on the X, and what I mean by on the X is that critical point of execution. For SEALs, it's, you know, when we fast rope onto the roof of a building we're about to assault, or we're patrolling through the woods or down the street and the enemy ambushes us, we're on the X, right? That critical point of execution. Everything that we say, everything that we do matters to the highest degree in that moment. And so in these moments, we have to make sure that we're fully present, fully engaged. We're not thinking about, all right, what are the consequences? We're thinking, all right, what are the ne- what's the next step? How can I outthink the enemy right now? How can I be more effective? How can I see the big picture and not just get tunnel vision? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you one more time on this point, and then I'll get off it. I'm just fascinated by this. So let's take something very specific like box breathing. And I know um, for listeners out there, and there's different forms of it, but the idea is to, to inhale for a four count or five count, hold that breath for that same count and then you exhale for four or five and you hold that and, and, it, and as goes your breathing will go the rest of uh, your body and your heart rate. Now is box breathing something that you would do literally in combat at some point to, to calm yourself down or is this just part of your meditation practice you would do every morning, you know, let's say. Absolutely. So yes and yes. So yes, we do it as part of meditation. Breathing is a part of that. And yes, we might also do that as a situation would afford. We're not going to be in the middle of running and gunning and, and like start thinking about our breathing, right? But if we stop and we take a break and we're like, all right, I'm thinking right now and I, I'll use this opportunity, okay, as I'm thinking through the situation, okay, get control of your breathing. Let's, let's lower what we call our, our arousal, right? Uh, lower that energy to where I can start to become, to think clearly. And so if you can envision a young recruit at boot camp, right? They first time away from home, they're, they're scared. They, they're just overwhelmed with the amount of information. And now we put them through a firefighter training, right? Where they have to think critically, right? And deal in a highly stressful situation, be effective in a highly stressful situation. And they start to melt down. They start to just become overwhelmed. The amygdala takes over and they start freaking out. The old way would just be to keep yelling at them, right? Okay, we're going to make it harder and then they'll be tougher. Okay, well, that's not really true. We need them to learn how to adapt. So we would pull them out of that situation, remind them of how to use the specific breathing techniques, what we would call recalibrate. Recruit, we want you to recalibrate. They would start to breathe. They would inhale for six seconds, hold for two seconds, exhale for seven seconds, hold for two seconds. And as they're breathing and they're starting to relax and lower that energy a little bit, now we're going to start to revisit. All right, what are the training objectives here? What are the specific things you need to do to be successful? And then we push them back in. And the cynical thing would be to to look at that as, oh, we're coddling them. Mm. No, we're building capacity. We're enabling them to learn. They're, They're going to learn and have the ability to be able to self-regulate. When they have that stressful situation, when it's for real, when there's missiles inbound, they're taking a second as they're getting their gear on to respond, they're taking, they're going through, they're lowering their energy through this breathing. And we can all use it, and I've used it. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, what are you gonna do? You're gonna do something that's gonna get you in jail or dead? Or are you gonna go ahead and lower that stress, lower that energy, and, and execute some breathing techniques? 
Love it. Now, I know it's uh, uh, the Warrior Toughness program is relatively new, rolled out recently. What have the results been? What's the feedback been overall so far? So, yeah. So, initially, we started this program, right? We started some very fundamental interventions to make our sailors, our recruits tougher. We also, while we did this, we conducted what was called a quality of life survey to really assess kind of the mental state of the recruit drill instructors, which are also, you know, your drill sergeants, right? In the Army or Marine Corps that have the smoky bear hats. We call them RDCs. And what we found is they were very, very stressed. They were working more than 100 hours a week, right? And so negatively impacting their relationships potentially. And so we're like, we need them to be effective. We need them to also learn these techniques, not just to help teach the recruits, but for themselves. And so we developed a program for them as well. So we taught them how to use these techniques and then we t- they would seamlessly also be able to teach the recruits. And we did study in control groups with different divisions. And what we found was higher test scores, we found higher PT or physical training test scores. And what, one of the big things was higher, what we call higher on-time graduation rates, meaning that students were not getting rolled. They were not like trying to escape training to seek comfort and take a knee. They were like, yeah, they were attending all the training events. They were fully invested. And so that saves the government a lot of money and it ensures a higher level of recruits are getting to the fleet uh, in critical jobs uh, sooner than in previous divisions. So we pro- we have proven it was effective. From there, we started having a lot of people asking for it. And how are we going to basically, what are the next steps with this program? And so we started, while I was still in developing partnerships with Navy nuclear uh, power programs, with the uh, officer community. And so it's continuing to get built as we look at the next phases in the sailors training. And then ultimately when they get out to the fleet, how are we going to build on these tech, these uh, basic techniques we taught them? Fantastic. Now I want to, um, you've touched a couple times on how this can apply, uh, you know, into the business, into the business world and certainly into the, this time of change we're in right now. And I want to highlight something for our listeners who might not be, or revisit something you said uh, for listeners who aren't as familiar with like the neuropsychology of, of this stuff. Because you talked about how the amygdala, which is actually a pretty small part of our brain, but that's our lizard brain, where through evolution, you know, that's the part that, uh, uh, you know, when we were cave people would see that threat and we would fight, freeze or flee, right? So that's really intercepting the change in our world and kicks in that fear. Now, uh, the the world, we don't have that many physical, most of us day to day don't have that many physical threats. And yet that part of our brain will sense something in our environment, our boss yelling at us, or we might lose our job. And that kicks in that fear response uh, in a very similar way as if it was a physical threat. And all of that um, stress is doing some some bad stuff to our bodies. So, tell us a little bit more, like for most of us who are now just trying to succeed in our careers, climb that extra rung in the ladder, and now we're in this kind of crazy world of uncertainty, worrying about everything from our families to our 401ks and, and perhaps performing on the job. How can you take some of these techniques that are so effective, you know, in the military and make them, you know, um, practical in our, in our work environment? Yeah. 
there is such a, there's a broad, obviously, you know, like, like anything we do right there, everybody has their own different challenges and different professions. And so there's a lot of us that are still in the fight. We're just figuring out how to, to make some course adjustments. And then there's those of us that are, for lack of a better term, just flat knocked out on our back, right? Because our, our business has come, has folded. Okay. But as humans, right, we have no, we have two choice, right? We can either fold and quit entirely or we can pick the other choice and that's respond to this crisis to this situation with with getting better and moving ahead and that's going to look differently to everybody right so it goes back to commit what can i do what can i do to be better maybe my business is on hold right now are there other investments that i can make in my life and maybe it's a physical goal maybe it's more education maybe it's just figuring out to how to add context or content to the world how to be how to volunteer to help other people as well and so we've got to find a way to have purpose okay we've got to revalidate our purpose we've got to have meaning because without that then we're just floundering and so I think that's the initial first step. And then we look at, okay, how do we actually go about doing that? And that's when we need to sit there and we need to say, we need to, to be better at a specific skill set. We need to do what I call being brilliant on the basics. Let's find out and let's get after and try to master some of the most fundamental aspects of the thing that we're trying to get at you know, we're, we're trying to learn. Okay. If we're trying to learn a new craft, what are the essential elements of that new craft? Now let's break that down into components. What are these individual things that I need to do? These skill sets that I need to learn. I mean, as a speaker, right. Uh, I love going out there and getting in front of people and getting in and engage crowds and audiences, but I can't do that right now. So how do I effectively pivot? Okay. Well, I've got to be better at video. I'm going to invest in, in writing more content. That, that's, I'm going to be effective in some way, shape, or form. And so that's what people need to do. And they also need to be able to just stop, step out of the noise and the confusion and the traffic and say, all right, who am I? What do I stand for? Are my actions and behaviors getting me towards that desired end state, towards that goal? And then lastly, one of the things that we haven't discussed is the reflective piece. And that's our ability to really try to remove the emotional baggage from our experiences and just try to distill down the salient points of the things that have happened to us. I love this. And so I think that's just that holistic process is very effective in, in giving us that framework. And, and there's a, a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of people out there who um, are uh, trying to work from home and, and have finding they have some extra time on their hands because they can't be productive in their, their usual ways. And this is a great way to take advantage of the crisis to make them uh, stronger and better for when things get back to normal and uh, uh, start moving quickly again. Um, Steve, before we go, I just want to give you the opportunity for our listeners who want to follow your work, get in touch, et cetera. What's the best way for them to, uh, to learn more about what you're doing? Right, thanks, Kevin. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing a lot like uh on LinkedIn and people can reach out to me there or they can go to my website at steve at stevendrum.com. That's steve at S-T-E-P-H-E-N, drum, like the instrument, D-R-U-M.com. And ask me any questions. If I can be of service to anybody who's struggling right now, I would uh, definitely be interested in, in helping out in whatever way I can. Fantastic. And we'll put that uh, uh, link in the show notes for the podcast and of course in the articles that go out. Steven, thank you so much for sharing uh, your advice. You're going to help a lot of people today. Appreciate that. 
My pleasure, Kevin. Thank you very much. Friends, if you like this episode of the LeadX Leadership Podcast, please take a minute, leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. Ratings are invaluable for attracting new listeners. And I like to convert those listeners into leaders because you know I'm on a mission to spark 100 million leaders in the next 10 years. And if you want to become the boss everyone fights to work for and nobody wants to leave, check out the LeadX platform with Coach Amanda at leadx.org. And if you have 10 or more managers who could use some binge-worthy training, send me an email at info at leadx.org, L-E-A-D-X dot O-R-G, and we'll talk about getting you set up with a totally free pilot for those managers. See if they like it. If they don't, that's fine. We go away. Part as friends. But if they love it, you've just found yourself a new resource for them. Remember, leadership is influence. You're always leading. How are you going to lead today? 